Hey everyone, today's August 20th, 2022, and I want to share with you my stream of consciousness on a handful of astrological and psychological topics that have been coursing through me. I think the kind of overarching theme of today's podcast is Venus and Pluto in aspect and going into understanding some of the shadow material that's there and the expression of that particularly through the form of manipulation in relationship. I also though want to share some updates with you. There's been so much happening both in my personal and professional life and this is a forum where I get to share that um, because it excites me, but it's also an outlet for me um, to be able to uh, process through what's happening. So I kind of want to dive in to see if I can bring these different streams into one stream. Travis and I are currently writing a book together on the 45 archetypal combinations from a depth psychological perspective. And I have so many notes from teaching the course, The Meaning of the Planets, uh, where we went into each one of the um, planetary pairs, right? When you take the sun and the moon and the um, eight other planets in our solar system and you put them together, you get these 45 pairs or 45 cycles of time. And so our course, The Meaning of the Planets, comes out of that. And this is really the foundation of this book that we're writing together. And then I have all of these audio uh, recordings that I've been doing over the years. And so sometime within, I think, the next half year, we're going to actually um, compile it systematically and flesh out uh, the writing, the core of the writing of the book. And I, this will be the first book that I've published and it's something that I've been mm, gestating and dreaming on um, for the past 15 years. And I um, feel ready at this point in my career to write down my understanding of the planets and particularly focusing on understanding each planetary combination as a mythology that has an inner coherent archetypal narrative and that when we understand that narrative, um, we can understand so much about um, psyche and our experience as human beings. And we can also understand more about the world and the universe, um, you know, and including other people. And that it's my understanding that when we understand the archetypal narrative of any planetary combination, when somebody tells us their story through the lens of, let's say, Venus-Pluto, we can then hear where they're at. If we know the narrative, then we know what's come before that in the story. And then we also know what comes after that in the story. And that's what gives us telos, that sense of an arc, a meaningful arc, toward something and of course every combination is uh, a cycle it's cyclical right all stories as we know 
like the hero or the heroine's journey is something where there's a beginning, a middle, an end, and then it circles back around to the beginning. And in that way, it's spiralic and the story moves to another place. So there's evolution within that arc, within that spiralic journey, um, right? That's what gives it that sense of growth or progress, change. Um, but there's also a universal commonality um, in both the story starting over again but also that every person who has Venus Pluto in their natal chart is going to share universal themes with one another. There are certain things that is a particular focus this lifetime for that soul to work through thematically. And we can understand that without even knowing anything about that person and their biography. But then once we get to hear that person's biography and we get to hear the particulars of the uniqueness of their soul's journey, their story, this lifetime, then we, the magic is when we combine those two together. The universality of the mythos of every combination, in this case Venus-Pluto, and then the particular uniqueness of that soul and its journey. And when we bring the two together, that's where we really have soul making happen. That's really where we get a deeper understanding and appreciation for what it is this uh, person is working with and through in this life. And that's where we really get our meaning in this archetypal narrative. And that's what excites me as a professional astrologer and as a psychotherapist. And I think that my, you know, now um, decade and a half of counseling and working with people clinically has given me um, the gift of just profound insight into the interiority and intimacy of um, people's lives from all walks of life and then you know my decade and a half of, of rigorously studying astrology and the planets I think it's put me at this point in my life where I'm ready to put um, pen to paper right um, as someone who is uh, very oral right I, I speak I teach I give lectures I give readings I, I do therapy um, I'm talk for a living and now it gets to be that really um, exquisite challenge of writing and my husband Travis who is a, a phenomenal writer and has already written you know over a, a thousand pages of his own work and his dissertation um, and master's thesis is gonna help come in and collaborate um, we work really to, well together as a team and complement each other and so I'm excited to be able to do this project with him and um, we're also um, going to be co-teaching our next course through Trust Psyche School uh, on the aspects so it's going to be a course where we go in and we focus on the meaning of the five major aspects, the conjunction, opposition, square, uh, trine, and sextile. And we're going to be doing it from um, a clinical perspective, right? So both of us sitting with clients, giving readings, uh, in my case, doing therapy as well. From an historical perspective, understanding how these aspects have come to, to be understood um, throughout uh, astrological history and then the third is from a mathematical perspective and understanding where in the sacred geometry these aspects are getting their meaning and we're going to go in and really be able to share our knowledge and wisdom from what we understand and what we know others understand about the five major aspects giving plenty of examples and then really exciting um, assignments 
that help each person, each student dive more deeply into their own chart and understanding the different angles and aspects of the sacred geometry of your natal chart configuration, which then of course can also be applied to your personal transits, uh, world transits, and sinistry and composite charts. So we're getting ready to release information about that and registration for that. We feel really excited in extending our format to our students where we now offer um, courses in three different ways. You can take it live in the classroom with us. You can take it live, but you don't have to come to the class. You, are, you get to take it each week and receive the material and the videos and the assignments. Or the third is you get to take it once the course is complete, you know, at your own pace, your own schedule. I think we're going to add in a fourth component, which is the option um, to do the assignments and get our feedback on them. So for those students who want to take the course live, whether in the classroom or just live weekly, and you want to participate in doing the assignments and handing them in to us, and then us um, giving you our feedback on what's going on there, I think that's going to be a new component that we'd like to bring in uh, with our students. So I'm really excited about that and all the collaboration we're doing together. Um, and I think a lot of that for me is, you know, both uh, the complementarity of Travis's and my, uh, the way that we think our orientation towards astrology, you know, our different strong suits um, and, and our, the differences in our personalities obviously are very complementary. But also um, Travis now is a decade into being, an astrologer himself, and after he taught, taught this last course through Trust Psyche School of um, uh, the Astronomy and Cultural History of Astrology, he really earned his stripes and um, his credit as a teacher, and he demonstrated mastery of the material and his ability to uh, translate that and communicate that to the students and uh, to myself. And so I'm really excited to see what we can do together, and of course, you know, our our work that we do is our life's work. Um, you know, our, our work is our vocation. And so for us, there isn't a separation between our work and our play. I was, the other day I was remarking and I, I don't have any hobbies. Like my, if you, if, <laughs> you know, my, my work, um, because it's my life's work, uh, it's, it's my passion and it's my creative work. That's why I do these podcasts. That's why I teach um, it's because it's it's both creative for me. Um, I'm impassioned to do it. I'm called to do it, and it's deeply satisfying for me on a soul level. So, um, because each of both Travis and I uh, are doing our life's work, and those uh, overlap greatly, um, you know, we spend so much of our time. Um, you know, really the majority of our time talking about these things together. So, uh, yeah, this is an exciting new development and deepening into our relationship um, personally, but then professionally. Um, so that's, that's all coming. So both the book and this upcoming course of Aspects, Sacred Geometry, and, um, and then more. We'll be offering more courses through Trust Psyche School next year, which we'll also announce at our end of this year newsletter. So those are some of our updates. Um, as far as my psychotherapy practice goes, um, I am, when I return from my time off in the first week of September, 
I'm going to be adding two more sessions into my practice and I'm able to do that now because our daughter Luce is going um, part-time to preschool. Travis and I have been co-raising her um, for the past two years. We also both work from home and so we've been had this incredible uh, magical two years together that has been um, both my greatest joy and the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life. Um, and so in doing, um, you know, constant parenting and working, we've had to be extremely judicious in how we spend our time and energy to make sure there's enough to go around to meet everyone's needs in our family. And, um, I'm just so excited. Luce just started, um, uh, her, her first educational preschool, um, type environment this week. And, you know, we're all adjusting to that, but as that adjustment, you know, happens over the next couple of weeks, there'll be some more space that in my practice, uh, my psychotherapy practice, I'll have two spots. So I work with individuals um, and couples, and I do include astrology in that um, if the client is wanting that, and that is to whatever extent that they would like that. So if you or anyone you know would like to do that, please reach out to me at jessicatrustpsyche.com. Um, I'll be um, responding to those messages um, the first week of September. So I want to go now into a couple of things around aspects and Venus Pluto. And I want to talk here about the understanding of uh, what we in psychology and specifically depth psychology refer to as conscious and unconscious. So um, as we know, every single planetary combination and every single planet has light and shadow expression, right? And by that, we mean that there's ways that that energy or that vibration or essence of the planet can come through in a way that is clear, um, that's distorted, and that's happening on a spectrum or a continuum. And that's where we get the word multivalence. There's a range of expression, of possible expression, that this energy can manifest. And that can happen multidimensionally, meaning that that can happen through the physical realm, the mental realm, uh, the psychological realm, the spiritual realm, the emotional realm, and so on. So when we combine multivalence and multidimensionality, that's where we really get the joy and the complexity of life and understanding the universal themes that we know can show up for every aspect without a doubt. We can speak to it with confidence. But then that magical intersection of the particular of the unique soul in their unique biography and soul's journey and expression of these energies through their life, through their work, through their relationships, through how they express themselves, through movement, and so forth. So when we talk about conscious and unconscious, every human being is conscious and unconscious, right? We all contain both. And then the way that every planetary combination is expressed, it can come through in a more conscious way or a less conscious way. Then within that, we see human beings being at different points within that archetypal narrative or mythos that I spoke to earlier, the inner coherency or story of every combination depending on the level of awareness or consciousness that they have brought to their life, where their soul is at in its development and where they're at in their own psychological development in their life. Um, the degree to which maybe they are emotionally mature or immature, mentally mature or immature, um, relationally intelligent 
or less so. And that is often defined by a combination of things, but particularly the quality of the attention and intention that a human being has brought to the various areas or aspects of their life. So the more attention, right, the more consciousness, the more awareness that a person has brought to their life, then we would say that they are going to more likely be expressing these particular energetics and dynamics in a conscious way, in a trajectory of greater and greater levels of consciousness that happens through growth. But within that, there's always going to be unconsciousness that happens, even for the most conscious person, right? We could even say for the most enlightened person, the person who has a lot of um, awareness, there's still unconsciousness because that's the nature of being human and that's the nature of a soul incarnating into earth and that's the nature of psyche. But then we also have the development of the arc of a soul. So through things like reincarnation and the age of a soul, the level of that soul's maturity, we can then see how much attention and consciousness has that soul brought throughout their lifetimes to these different themes and dynamics. My best guess is, is that if we were to zoom out over multiple incarnations of a soul clustered together, we would see a combination of, if I could, synchronic patterning, meaning that if we took a soul's life and we brought it through the perspective of linear time, uh, we would see that the soul clusters around certain themes that are getting work, worked out in lifetimes that are um, close together with one another. So my guess is if we were to zoom out, we would see, okay, if we take this example of Venus Pluto, that this soul who has Venus Pluto this life is probably through a cluster of lifetimes around this life working on that theme. And one way that we would know that is by the aspect that that um, combination is making. So when that combination isn't in hard aspect, conjunction, opposition, or square, I think it increases the likelihood that that cluster of lifetimes is working on that theme. I think there are other indications in the chart that we can get to, like uh, uh, repetition, that we would be able to say that. For example, if the person is Venus-Pluto and has Venus-Pluto in Scorpio, or if the person is Venus-Pluto has um, uh, Venus in the eighth house, these repetitions in the chart indicate an archetypal signature i believe that the universe is saying hey these themes um they're important because they're a predominant dynamic that the soul is working with and through this life and my guess is around this cluster of this lifetime i think another indication of that is often venus pluto folks and this you can see this with other aspects i'm just using venus pluto as an example here because it's fresh on my mind then tend to have strong synastry of Venus Pluto with other um, figures in their life. So let's say you have Venus Pluto. I think there's a strong likelihood that there's epigenetics of that. So one or both of your parents and grandparents, depending on how far back you have the data in your lineage, also have Venus Pluto. I think it increases the likelihood that you also have Venus Pluto in synastry with key figures in your life, including your parents your siblings, and then um, uh, 
romantic relationships. Um, particularly when we're looking at Venus, we are looking at romantic relationships. We're looking at close friendships and relationships with women um, or feminine figures in our life. And so the Venus-Pluto theme is going to repeat with those romantic partners as well. It's very common for Venus-Pluto people to end up in relationship with other Venus-Pluto people. There's a kind of magnetism there and I think an animal sense, um, a kind of instinctual plutonic animal sensing out of kind of the pheromones of another person having Venus-Pluto. I think often um, Venus-Pluto has a magnetism to it and often that magnetism is very animal-like. That's why it's correlated with things like lust and very impassioned lovemaking. So what I want to focus on here is understanding uh, two layers of it. One is, is what we know about dynamic or hard aspects in astrology, conjunction, square, and opposition. And we'll be going much into detail and plenty of examples of this in the upcoming aspects course for Trust Psyche School, which is when a person has not brought conscious attention to, in this case, Venus-Pluto, and it's in hard aspect in the chart, when it's in hard aspect, and I think even more so when it's in a square, there is going to be greater levels of unconsciousness there. And I'm going to give examples of how that then manifests or expresses itself. When though the opposite is true and that person has brought a lot of attention, right, to that dynamic, to that pattern in their life, it doesn't mean that that energy doesn't show up unconsciously still. It just means it has a greater chance of through the awareness of that person working with that energy to show up in a way that then expresses itself as more mature. Um, and, and the way we see maturity is usually linked with wisdom. Wisdom is embodied knowledge. So when somebody walks their talk and lives in such a manner that's coming from a more clear, grounded, mature place, that shows us that they have put a lot of attention or awareness into this dynamic. So one way we could understand that is what people would call inner work. Things like doing therapy, right? Things like um, doing different um, self-reflective practices that really honestly have you go into not just intellectually understanding and mapping this dynamic, but um, emotionally and psychologically and even spiritually really living in it right and so that difference between knowing about it and actually embodying it and that's the movement from the mind and the air element of the intellect which we need but moving us into the embodied earth and water element of of actually getting to practice how to be um living in that knowledge that we've gained about this dynamic um and by dynamic, I mean an energetic pattern of exchange that happens inside of oneself that then gets carried out between self and other. And I'm going to go into this Venus-Pluto example here in just a moment. Um, so Venus-Pluto, when it's unconscious and when 
it's coming from a place where the person feels um, insecure or when the person feels um, afraid or when the person feels out of control in their life and there isn't the awareness there that that's either A, how they're feeling or B, the capacity to be with feeling insecure, afraid, um, or even shameful, the tendency then, right, if that awareness has not been brought to that dynamic to work with that energy, the Venus-Pluto shadow expression tends to be that in relationship, and we're looking at this because of Venus's component um, or correlate to relationship, again, friendship and romantic relationship, uh, tends to be one of manipulation. So Venus-Pluto's shadow expression can be manipulative in relationship. So I want to define some characteristics of 10 habits of uh, manipulative people. So one, uh, manipulative people tend to play dumb about what's going on. When you confront them, you talk to them, to try to hold them accountable or responsible for their behavior, they act as if they don't know what you're talking about. Two, they play innocent. Um, They have a way of playing around the truth to portray themselves as a victim. They also, three, rationalize their behavior, right? So there's always a justification or a reason for why they've done what they've done instead of just accepting that maybe they've done something wrong or that they've been deceitful or lied. Three, they often change the subject as a way to skirt around issues that make them uncomfortable or if they feel like they're getting caught in a lie. They tell half-truths, and this is why it's often hard to recognize when someone's being manipulative because there is truth in what they're saying, and they have the artistry of telling half a truth. And this is part of Venus-Pluto. Venus is the art artistry, <laughs> and um, Pluto is that component of the hidden, right? It's the secret Um, And so Venus-Pluto people tend to um, use secrets as currency. Venus Venus is about currency, right? And that's that's connection to money. But Venus-Pluto folks can use secrets as currency to manipulate, control, and dominate the other to get what it is that they want. Um, They can also induce guilt. It's a very uh, strong tactic that they use is they make you feel guilty about whatever's going on when they're in the wrong or they've um, they've told a half-truth or they've manipulated. Um, they often insult other people and they also tend to bully other people um, as they're being manipulative. Um, they uh, minimize their own behavior, right? They think that things aren't a big deal even when you're... Uh, potentially confronting them and saying this is a big deal they tend to minimize whatever your experience is and then uh, classically um, the last major thing is people who are manipulative tend to blame others for everything right it's always somebody else's fault they're always pointing the finger it's never towards them and I think this is where manipulative people have a strong overlap with narcissistic personality disorder um, because narcissists share these qualities typically narcissists 
are manipulative because they can't take any responsibility from being wrong. It's, they're not capable of being wrong. So that tendency to blame and to point the finger, to induce guilt and shame in the other as a control tactic to divert the attention away from where they've been out of integrity, right? They've been out of right relation. There's been a lie. Um, and ultimately, they're acting in a way where they're using you, right? So manipulators and narcissists have a lot in common and that quality of using you for their own gain um, with lacking a sensitivity to your position or just genuinely not caring <laughs> um, about you know where you're at, what you're feeling, what you're needing. So people who manipulate do so so they can get what they want and also protect their ego, which is typically very fragile, and avoid taking responsibility for any of the consequences of their actions. And within that, they can have a tendency to need to punish, control, or dominate the other person, whether that's their partner, whether that's their child, whether that's their coworker. It, it, it doesn't have to be just one specific person. And like the thing about Venus Pluto is, you know, a person who has it, if they're coming from this unconscious place and this need to manipulate, then they can either be a manipulative person, that would that would be a, a high level of unconsciousness around it, right? Which just means a lack of tending to and taking responsibility for their role in that dynamic, that energetic pattern. Um, so that would be a manipulative person, right? Or a narcissist. But then sometimes people who have Venus Pluto are manipulative only in certain situations or with certain people. So maybe they're not manipulative with their partner, but they're manipulative with their children. Or maybe they're not manipulative with their children, but they're manipulative with their coworkers. And so there's an isolation of that channel or expression of manipulation in relationship. And so that would be a lesser degree of, you know, um, manipulation may be a greater level of awareness we're not sure but then there's that quality that venus pluto people have of having the capacity to be manipulative having the capacity to use that plutonic ability to see um, the undercurrent of things right venus pluto people have this ability to tune into other in a way of knowing what maybe that other person's woundedness is or where they're hurt or how they could take advantage of them. And it's a choice point. If they're going to use the other person's woundedness or let's just say vulnerability against them to manipulate them to get what they want. And so a signature of that would be something like take the quality within yourself that you feel most sensitive around and then someone who would be able to see that um, vulnerability in you, then use it against you in order to get what they want, right? So they're pushing your buttons, they're trying to um, get a reaction out of you, and they're trying to get you ultimately to do what they want by um, kind of poking the bear, right? Poking the bear of right where you are most vulnerable and therefore most likely to be taken advantage of and then do what that person wants. So Venus-Pluto people have a strong capacity to be able to see another person's vulnerability and use Pluto as a power 
over that person instead of a power with that person. And I think Venus Pluto people in general have this capacity. Um, I think there are other aspects that also I think Mercury Pluto in a different way has that capacity as well. Um, but it's a choice, right? It's a choice of am I going to um, weaponize that person's vulnerability to get what I want, right? So I think Venus Pluto people and Mercury Pluto people have the capacity to see the other's vulnerability and do a power over, but it's a choice point on whether or not they're going to actually do that, which of course is hurtful, right? And harmful. So we all have the capacity to be manipulative, um, especially when we feel afraid or out of control, excuse me, or if we're needing attention, right? Um, being manipulative is a great way to get attention as well. And so Venus Pluto has this flair for drama. It's, it's very dramatic. And if a person um, is feeling like they're not getting the attention they need or um, there's not enough stimulation in their life or there's not enough perhaps even that kind of chaotic side of drama, they can ignite that particularly in their relationships. And one way that they do that, other than manipulation, is another common Venus-Pluto theme, which in psychology we would call triangulation, where you pit, one person pits two other people against each other. And one way they do that is by telling half-truths. So triangulation happens by coming in and telling half-truths, concealing part of the story and information that you don't want the other person to know so that they act in a way um, that is what you want them to do. And so Venus Pluto people, if they are either unconscious or, you know, uh, potentially activated within the complex where they feel like their life isn't rich enough or isn't interesting enough or not enough's happening or they're not getting what they want, right? Maybe they're feeling jealous. That's another component of Venus Pluto, feeling jealous, feeling envious, right? Envy. Um, of other people, then um, there's a tendency to act out in that unconscious way and to get manipulative. So part of what I want you to notice here in the archetypal narrative or mythology of every combination is that there's that inner intelligence or what I call inner coherency of the aspect. So all the shadow components relate to each other. Manipulation, domination, control, triangulation, um, jealousy, envy, they all are clustered together um, and, and are kind of in a family psychologically. And they all happen to relate to the shadow material of Venus Pluto. But so too does the um, kind of light side of the aspect. Um, also have an inner intelligence and interconnectedness of that coherency or relationship to the shadow material. So the light and the shadow material, like a yin-yang symbol, are deeply interrelated. Um, and not just interrelated, but um, uh, they need each other, right? The story is incomplete. The journey of um, transformation that... Um, uh, you know, these characters are going on can't happen without traversing the whole multivalent 
um, range of expression. So every Venus-Pluto person, uh, particularly in hard aspect, is their soul, this life, is going through a transformative journey through love and relationship and how one uses one's money, resources, and love and attention to either get what they want or not get what they want. And the question there is about power because Pluto is all about power. And so the question becomes, how does this person use or not use their power within their relationships, right? Is it a power over through domination and control or is it a power with standing in one's truth in a way that is open-handed, not manipulative or controlling, but honest and direct and then letting go of the need to control the outcome of the other person's response. So we're looking at how is this person's relationship with power showing up in their life and this gives us a clue into where they're at in that archetypal narrative. But every Venus-Pluto person, especially in hard aspect, does have to encounter and work with and live through the themes of the shadow material of things like experiencing jealousy and envy in relationship, either being on the giving or receiving often both end of that dynamic at different times with different people, um, experiencing manipulation. You can see that through the way your parents have used money or their resources over you to get you to do what they want or their love, their approval. Um, Venus Pluto can be very prone to conditioned love and that's where we get that manipulation and that control versus unconditional love. It takes a lot of conscious awareness and intention um, of focus of a Venus Pluto person to work through those themes of feeling like the love that they've received and or the love that they've given has been conditional. And if you look specifically at what those conditions were, it can tell you a lot about your personality formation around that archetypal complex. Um, but it's also true that when that Venus-Pluto is worked with and through and brought awareness to and is felt and processed, again, through different forms of inner work and self-reflection and therapy, um, what you begin to see is the the other sides of it where no longer is there that need to manipulate or that need to have power over but a profound trust and faith in knowing that what one desires venus what one wants what one loves um is going to be reciprocated by the other when the other that is present is capable and available of returning your desire and your eros and your love in a manner in which feels pleasurable to you. It's about choosing to be in relationship with people that you are able to share your truth with and your desire with and who then also able to reciprocate that energy back to you and not need to have conditions, um, conditional love back or trying to manipulate or control you back. And so the inner work of a Venus Pluto person is working through often the harm or the hurt that's happened by being on the receiving end of somebody else significant in their life that they've been close to having been manipulative towards them going through the grieving process of the pain of that waking up within that story and then choosing to a not continue that pattern or that lineage of 
trying to manipulate other people, but also standing in one's power and truth and being able to be vulnerable and speak what one truly wants, whether that's romantically, whether that's sexually, whether that's in terms of money. There's all kinds of ways that you can kind of flesh that out. Um, but then the health of that system and the maturation of that you then see in the types of people that that person is then attracting into their life, that those people um, do not have the need to be manipulative, right? So that's some way that we can begin to see that dance of the evolution of the narrative when we look at both a combination of the inheritance of the epigenetics and the lineage passing down of a combination, the coming to awakening of you know, the ways in which we've been a victim of that, grieving that, the ways that we have participated within that, what our role has been, taking accountability for whatever um, has happened, and then changing that dynamic within our own self, and then seeing that rippled out and reflected in the relations that then we then encounter. That's not to say that in that spiral journey of the evolution of that combination, you don't in the future encounter themes of envy or jealousy or manipulation or meet a manipulative person it's just that you have a different awareness of that dynamic so you have greater choice to either stop it sooner um, decide what works for you what doesn't work for you within that relationship but also it becomes less seductive and that's kind of the beauty of when we do our inner work is that these um, energetic archetypal patterns that we have inherited or were conditioned by, you know, however you want to describe that, um, they become less seductive. And seductive is a great word for Venus Pluto because Venus Pluto is the art of seduction. And there's something about our complexes um, that are seductive. And we can see this very strongly within family dynamics, how seductive it is to get pulled back in to that spider's web and get tangled into, you know, whatever might be happening there. And I think that entanglement in a spider's web is a good image for Venus Pluto um, and so, you know, spiders are not inherently um, bad, right? They're, they're beautiful creatures. Um, we need them. Um, they're actually deeply feminine. They, they possess a lot of miraculous qualities. And the web is a beautiful thing. But it's one thing to weave a web that you want to be in the center of and that others willingly choose to join you in versus a web that you try to capture and entangle somebody in against their will or against their choice out of manipulation. Those are two very different webs. So it's not about, you know, weaving or not weaving. It's about how do we weave in a way that's coming from clarity within our own self and that ultimately gives the freedom of choice to those that we're in relationship with to see how they want to show up in that unconditional love that is very possible for all of us and very possible for Venus Pluto. All right, folks, I'm going to end it there for now. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. Please check out my website, trustpsyche.com to see all my current offerings. I'd love for you to be my astrology student. Come be part of Trust Psyche School. We're having so much fun. Sign up for our upcoming class that we're going to open registration for soon, aspects in astrology, sacred geometry. Um, tune into the up other episodes of this podcast. Always love to hear from you. And if you or someone you know feels like you would like to join me in psychotherapy, you can send me an email at jessicatrustpsyche.com. All right, everyone, sending you all blessings, and I'll catch you next time.